Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, it's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Adam Franica. I am also your host, Benjamin R. Harrison. Ben, we don't often feel a great amount of FOMO on this show, <laughs> but recently I did feel that in great amounts from a few of our listeners who attended boarded and partied on the star trek cruise oh yeah i saw some tweets about this yeah me too i really want to do this hmm they really uh they really awoken me the uh the the great cruise interest feelings i didn't know i had wow i wonder they awoke the sleeping giant uh-huh <laughs> This poses an interesting dilemma because we never want to, you know, even the appearance of an improper relationship between us and Big Rod. Would be intolerable. But I would really like to get to go on the cruise. And especially if they were like, hey, you guys are the people's champion of Star Trek podcasters. Come on this cruise. You know, the thought that I had was how much fun it would be to go on the cruise as Ben and Adam. And not even but th- perform. But do sort of a pirate radio live <laughs> podcast recording <laughs> in our penthouse suite mm. on the ship. Mm. Here's how I think we do this, Ben. I don't think it's any surprise to our viewership that we have a pledge drive coming up. I'm willing to dump pledge money into the idea of of climbing into Big Rod's pocket without him knowing about it. <laughs> a mission Recording behind a pod- Big Rod enemy lines. That's what I'm saying. We put on some loaf. We put on some bread boxes. We board the ship. Some Romulan beauty might take a liking to you. Lick that paint right off your ears. Wow. And, and we record on board without them knowing about it. Except our viewers would know. We, we would sort of uh, get the word out to our viewers. And then we'd record a secret episode inside Big Rod's pocket. Wow. The call is coming from inside the pocket. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. How much fun would that be? That would be really fun. Now, do we make that a, a donor-only episode? Oh, shit. You know what? I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think that does make a lot of sense. If you donate during the pledge drive and we use pledge drive resources to get on board this ship, I think it's only right that Mm. we reward those that make that donation possible with this special episode. Do you think we would get to party with Gowron? Because I heard that people were partying with Gowron. Gowron was at the bar wearing his own loaf. Yeah. Like he was dressed up. They loafed him up. That's, that can't be comfortable think, in the Caribbean. No. <laughs> Do you think uh, he's like the hair transplant commercial, the guy like diving into the pool and then they, <laughs> they cut the shot and he gets out of the pool and, and his hair looks perfect? Like if you're Galron, you got to jump into the pool holding on, right? Shaking off that mane. <laughs> oh man, that's going to clog a filter. 
anyway, if this sounds like an idea that's good enough to our greater viewership, hit us up on the Twitters and on Facebook. Let us know if there is a substantial push for this, because at this point, I'm just putting a, a toe in the water on the concept. But I think this could be pretty cool. I think we've wanted to do sort of a pirate radio thing for a long time, and this might be a fun opportunity to do it. It's not until 2018. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll probably all be dead by then anyway. That's but, true. That's true. But here's, if we're not, it could be fun. Here's another question, though, Adam. Like, what if, what if Big Rod makes us an offer we can't refuse before such time as we have time to go on this cruise ship? Well, I think... What if we've already been compromised by that point? I think our demand would be too great. Like we need, we obviously need to stay in a penthouse stateroom. So you're saying I mean, that this is an insurance policy against us becoming compromised by Big Rod. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. We should be able to bootstrap ourselves into the onboard, into a penthouse with space enough to record a show on. A lot of our detractors uh, have been silenced today, Adam. And I think that that's pretty cool. What do you say we get into the episode... <laughs> Which, Period. Uh, which we came to talk talk about today, Adam. Let's do that. Let's do less than a twenty minute Marin open on this one. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's turn the page now. It's season five, episode nine. A matter of time. The entrepreneur is on its way to help a planet that has taken a hit from an asteroid and it's causing like it's cause it's like it's kicked up a bunch of crapola into their atmosphere, preventing sunlight from getting through. It's turned the planet into a real popsicle, Adam. I mean it's uh it's a real shit show down there and the scientists, the old scientists which is yeah. the only kind we have on this show. Back to back to crotchety old scientist, man. They're really freaking out. Yeah, and so they're steaming with all deliberate speed toward this when uh, they get a uh, a blip on the on the readout. There is something back there. We passed within three hundred kilometers of it. Worf picks up a temporal disturbance in their in their wake, and Picard is like, "Well, there's a planetary catastrophe looming, but." <laughs> I feel like we can take an hour to go investigate this temporal disturbance, right? Hanson, bring the ship about. Let's take a look at Mr. Worf's distortion. Aye, sir. Mr. Worf's what? It's like a husband rushing a wife, a pregnant wife, to the hospital who's about to give birth. And he's like, did we pass a Dunkin' Donuts back there? <laughs> That's a good donut. Yeah. Hi, I, honey, I'm yeah. A, I just want to like, I might get hungry. Hey, uh, honey, how about I get you a Krella? <laughs> Joe DiMaggio dunks his donut? That's right. See, now I know it's not him. Joe DiMaggio could not be a dunker. Oh, he's a dunker. So they whip the ship around to investigate, and they uh, they find a little ship. Yeah, it's like a little, little, tiny guy. It's, a little uh, it's like a doorstop of a ship. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's the least interesting shuttle that we have seen yet. It's... It's like they literally took a took a doorstop off the floor, set it up on the on the miniature rig, and grabbed a shot of it. But, it's, uh, we've seen a lot of not interesting shuttlecrafts, and this might be the least interesting of all. It looks like the corner Lego piece, like the the, <laughs> the one dot corner Lego. Yeah, that's a good call, Adam. 
Well, they're trying to scan this thing, and their their instruments cannot penetrate its hull. It's some super advanced material, and they get message from inside this thing to move over. And Picard does not like this as an opening, an <laughs> opening gambit, does he? Yeah, he doesn't really get it. He's like, I'm not going to move my ship for you. Fucking doorstep. Yeah. And he like starts walking toward Worf because he's like outraged. And uh, in the spot that he was standing, uh, beams on Professor Berlingoff Rasmussen. It's like we're not even trying with these names anymore. <laughs> and it turns out that what, what he was saying was that he needed Picard to move over. The person of Picard. It was like the time the Borgs hailed, hailed and they meant Picard right. himself. Yeah. You would think that Picard would have gotten used to this by now. So Rasmussen beams on and he's wearing uh, a couple of coffee bags. <laughs> uh, and he says, hey, he says, look, guys, I'm from the future. And uh, I just want to ride along with you a little while. Check things out because I'm a historian from the future. And that's what we do. Even though you've never heard or seen any of me before. We're all around you at any given time, and uh, you guys are in the middle of a really important mission. I just want to watch. Like any scientist, he knows that observing the thing cannot possibly change what it does. Right. Absolutely. Um, he uh, he has a good act here, too. Like, he keeps taking in deep breaths like he's looking at a at the fucking Grand Canyon for the first time. Like, this is exactly how I hoped it would be. This is great. Oh, this is wonderful. Actually, quite a bit larger than I thought. Really? And uh, the crew is really quick to just accept this man for who he claims to be, right? It is breathtaking how how quickly they accept this guy's truth. They are like, the Enterprise crew is like an old person picking up the phone. Yeah. And the telemarketer's on the other end that's like, hey. Uh, you've got to read me all your credit card numbers, otherwise a really bad shit's gonna happen. To you. Yeah, and, I'm from I'm from the IRS, and yeah. the only way, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's it it's like, it's like Bill Cosby having us all convinced for years and years that he was a super wholesome guy. You know, <laughs> it, it's just like how the fuck. Like, they just all go along with it real quick. Like, even Worf is is disarmed by this guy in the, uh, not, like, physically disarmed, but, like, you know, the guy's like, hey, do you normally sit over there? And Worf is like, what? Uh, <laughs> normally, yeah. Why? He does that deception that counts on you to provide the deception for him. Like, he never offers any new information. He just plays off of the information that you're giving him. Yeah. Do you think that part of it is that they just look at the fucking jaw on this guy and they're like, I believe him. I don't know what he's saying, but I believe it. He's one in the line of several strong-jawed strong jawed <laughs> guest stars on this show. They really cast for jaw, don't they? They really do. This guy has like superhero level jaw. He has a pretty like wimpy frame and even like the upper half of his head is pretty wimpy. But this fucking jaw. Yeah, it's like Baron von Underbite announced <laughs> jaw here. <laughs> yeah, 
It's one of my favorite blue pictures, Adam. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Good Lord. Rasmussen played admirably by Matt Frewer, who, as I believe I stated in the preview to this episode on our last episode of Pod, is really Jim carrying around. Yeah. I feel like. He is uh, he's overplaying his character hand from jump. Yeah. I mean... It's a bit like the outrageous Okana character that they had aboard that one time where his personality is so vastly different from any personality we normally get on the show that it is just like amazing to see somebody this weird just weird around in the environment that we've come to be so accustomed to. It's... That brings up an interesting point because it's interesting how you can portray alien as physically different and alien as personality different. Mm -hmm. And this guy's human. I mean, we, I think they did a scan on him and they're able to understand that much, but, but alien as in culturally alien. Yeah. uh, As portrayed by personality is, I think they're able to do that a little better than they're able to work the makeup part of that equation yeah like this guy is really weird <laughs> he's super weird they have a little mclaughlin group if you want to get to know him and his rap is 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 exactly that it's i want to i just want to like be here for this amazing historic occasion of the mission that you're on uh it's it's something that i study and i'm really curious to see like where you guys put all of the objects in your physical environment because that book is not supposed to be there as far as the history books are concerned so they head off right they they head to penthara 4 which is the planet that they were trying to rescue before this and uh they've got a plan to uh induce the greenhouse effect to stop the planet from getting too much colder because right now like you look out the window and it's it's like your tauntaun will freeze before you get to the next marker kind of a situation out there i'll see you in hell Yeah, they're they're cutting open horses and, to keep warm. And so, yeah, the the plan is they've found some pockets of carbon dioxide under the surface of the planet. They're going to use the phasers to like uh, turn the planet's surface into Swiss cheese. Let the carbon dioxide out, form a nice, warm, cuddly blanket around the planet, uh, warm it warm it up, and uh, stabilize it. And you know, they you, you get some some nice throwaway dialogue about like what a catastrophe this is. Talk about New Seattle, Adam. <laughs> and, uh, a couple of tropical rivers are freezing over there. Oh yeah, I think I think that was aptly named because uh, it made me think of the tropical rivers that flow through uh, old Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. It's famous for its tropical rivers. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, especially this time of year. Ben, did you did you right away? Feel like this plan might have been a little dangerous. The whole, <laughs> the whole shooting of the ship's phasers into the planet's surface to release the gas, like they could have just replicated a bunch of cows, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would have been less damaging. Yeah, send send a send a suburban to every household on the planet. <laughs> so yeah. just just drive these back and forth to soccer practice. Yeah, you guys will be fine. 
So we're gonna we're gonna fill your seas full of uh, container ships running on bunker fuel. Planet's gonna warm up in no time. It's gonna be great. You guys are gonna love it. It's gonna be nice and toasty. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean they make a big deal of Data and Jordy checking the numbers over and over again on this. Two hundred nine anomalies, all within acceptable parameters. Never tell me the odds. Only to have their calculations have been radically wrong and uh it's sort of running away right like there's the the greenhouse effect is is going in turbo mode and all the holes that they punched have turned into volcanoes that are spewing ash into the atmosphere which is like compounding the problem that they had before and all this all the while rasmussen is like wandering around the ship going like (laughs) it's amazing that you didn't see that coming and uh and like making little quips about everybody he's starting to be a little bit of an annoyance right yeah and the first thing that seeks to annoy is the distribution of a questionnaire that he that he forces on everyone in the crew to take and evidently this questionnaire takes hours to complete yeah i hate questionnaires he's got like a like a bunch of isolinear chips that he wants everybody to take back to their quarters when they have some free time and fill them out and uh, this is like maybe the craziest part of his visit. There's a couple of things that I think are bananas about it, but the fact that the captain is signing off on all of the senior staff of the flagship just like answering whatever questions this stranger has for them because it will be good for historical research in the time period he comes from 200 years in the future. Ben, you know how there's a Turing test for robots? Yeah. To uh, to tell if they're they've achieved sentience. Mm-hmm. Is there a similar sort of test for someone who claims to be from the future? Because there's it seems like there should be, right? I kind of wondered why they didn't just head down to ten forward and be like, Guinan, what is this? Does this guy seem like uh, he's got a credible story here? She's not yeah. in the episode. This was a great moment for Guinan that that was missed. Yeah. They don't, they don't, um, there have been times when they've like had Troy not there or Jordy not there or some character not there that would have, you know, that character would have been instrumental in uncovering whatever, whatever subterfuge was afoot. And they make a point of having somebody toss away a line about why that character is not there. Or, you know, in the example of the butthole game episode, you know, they turn data off and that's like part of the subterfuge in that episode. Yeah. They never do that with Guinan. There's never a Guinan is away at a bartending conference on Ryza. Well, Guinan's always turned on. That's <laughs> one thing we know about her. Yeah. Loves flicking that bean. Loves it. The bartending conference on Pacifica. It's got to be a rager. <laughs> oh, man. Guinan's there. Lady from that crappy Star Wars bar in the last episode's probably there. Oh, yeah, the piano player. I bet Guinan and she could party. That uh, that girl who does the cups song, she's there. Yeah. The internet's girlfriend. <laughs> I, I think that, like, there are a couple of times in the beginning of the episode where they say, like, you know, we'll see... We'll see how far this goes with this guy. But they really, like, they don't restrict his movements around the ship. Like, he can go to engineering and the bridge without 
anybody stopping him, which would seem to be like probably a pretty bad security decision. Uh, Ben, like you can forgive the plot holes, you know, like you were just saying, like there are instances where characters are turned off or made to be absent to, to further the plot because to have them around would break the story. Yeah. In a negative way. Right. But what's so much more unforgivable is for the cast to be made stupid. Yeah. And that's what's happening here. It really is. And and just and not just stupid but weird. Like they are making decisions that are baffling. Like there's a scene where he's getting real close to the doctor and it's like a little unclear whether he's hitting on her or like he, he's like he's being a real smarm dog. Whenever I travel back, I meet very interesting people, men and women. But um, I've never met anyone who gave me thoughts about not going home. And she starts kind of like baby talking back to him. <laughs> you are not supposed to be influencing the past. Remember? Oh. <laughs> and I am beginning to. Just a little bit influenced. And it's not clear that she's so much shutting him down as just like hitting the the snooze button on the on the advances he's making on her. And it's like, what? No. She would never go for this dope. And because that scene goes without payoff at all, it just sort of hangs in the air yeah, a little bit. It really like, doesn't make any sense. Like, he's flirting with her, and it appears as though she's flirting back, but in a way that's like a not-in-your-life kind of way. Yeah. And he's really, like, invading her personal space, too. Yeah. Very strange. Very strange scene. And because it's not paid off later, and it's not referred to later, it just really doesn't have a reason for being. Yeah. Like, I guess you could argue that it serves to further the point that Rasmussen is not trustworthy and if he's if he's really a notable historian like why would he be going back to do booty calls instead of like <laughs> doing real historical shit yeah but it's a little thin the whole climax that we get to in this episode and i don't like want to jump ahead but i feel like I feel like you almost have to to talk about it is that yeah. Picard is in this is is at this point where they've got the they've got a potential solution to this runaway climate change problem on this planet. Oh, do nothing and thousands will die. Do something and millions could die. That's a tough choice. Not if you were to help me. It's riskier than they thought that the first solution was which is the culprit for this disaster and picard is trying to appeal to this guy's sense of humanity this guy from the future uh to tell picard what to do essentially like tell me tell me what the right choice is here because i can save this planet if i do this but there's a a reasonable risk that it will kill every single person on the surface if we fuck it up even a little bit. And the guy is kind of making a prime directive argument with him. He's kind of saying, you know, like, like it would be, 
it would destroy the future that I came from to offer information like that. And therefore I can't. But the fact that he's there at all completely changes everything about how they're thinking about what they're doing. They're asking the viewer to suspend so much disbelief in so many areas. They might as well let the boom pole dip into frame. Yeah, the whole thing just sort of crumbles under its own weight. Yeah. <laughs> so I, what it does, it's sort of jangling the keys and of the stakes, right? It's, it's calling your attention to the stakes, of, and those are the millions of lives mm-hmm. on the planet. And if you can just concentrate on those, uh, you can forgive the rest. But I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's an interesting conversation, right? Because it's like fairly conventional plot line for Picard to be on the other side of the prime directive argument. And it's only like a couple of times that we get to see Picard stand there and argue with somebody, beg them to override a prime directive-like rule. And Picard, like at this point, has kind of a rich history of violating the Prime Directive, so he can he can cite some of that in his argument. You know of the Prime Directive, which tells us that we have no right to interfere in the natural evolution of alien worlds. Now I have sworn to uphold it, but nevertheless, I have disregarded that directive on more than one occasion. Because I thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah, you really see him get desperate in a way you rarely see. Yeah. He like the only time I I remember seeing him do this was when uh he begged Q to frisbee them back out of Borg space the first time they met him. Yeah, I guess yeah, I feel like there's one other time I can't quite remember when it was though. I wish I wish I could. Yeah, that would have made for some good pod. That would have been good pod, Adam. Would that would that we had done any research? Well, not that kind of show. We really got twanged by somebody on iTunes recently about that, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, got a a real fun, a real fun one star review about what how we don't bring anything to our reviews of the shows that a committed Star Trek fan doesn't already know. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. You mean you mean all these jokes are are ones that any committed Star Trek viewer brings to uh, their own podcast? That's well, funny. This particular reviewer did not find our brand of comedy to be particularly appealing, Adam. Well, it's a good thing that uh there are ten dozen other Star Trek podcasts. Yep. <laughs> funny and not. In including uh, even even this week, new ones are launching all the time. <laughs> they're all around us. Yeah, and they're uh, they're. Uh, it's it's Star Trek podcasts all the way down. Yeah, look, there's something in here, and it ain't us. <laughs> <laughs> we may not even be able to be the people's champions for that much longer because there are so many fucking Star Trek podcasts. Uh, there's a there's a podcast calling from inside the house, but. Picard begs, begs, begs Rasmussen to give him the answer to the conundrum. And Rasmussen, I would say that this performance is actually really, like, interesting. You know, like, for as tattered as 
a premise as we have at this point in the episode. The actor uh, playing Rasmussen, Matt Matt Frewer, is doing an admirable job of taking this very silly character and playing him in a very serious scene. It's not theoretical. It's not hypothetical. It's real. Surely you see that. I see it all too well. But you must see that if I were to influence you, everything in this sector, in this quadrant of the galaxy, could change. History, my history, would unfold in a way other than it already has. Now, what possible incentive could anyone offer me to allow that to happen? And so Picard is uh, is defeated and uh, walks out onto the bridge and says, all right, let's do this risky-ass plan. And explains that the fact that Rasmussen wouldn't answer him sort of gives him all the information he needs to make a decision. So the the plan is that they're going to like what the they're like going to superheat the particles in the atmosphere and then use the deflector dish to scoop them off into space or something. Sure, that sounds about right. Do you know this episode got nominated for a special effects Emmy? Really? Yeah. I thought it kind of deserved it because the planet, like, I mean, we're looking at the HD remaster, but like the all of the stuff with the like atmosphere of the planet changing looked really cool and was pretty well done. I thought the plan is a little bit of a spaceballs plan, right? They're turning <laughs> the Enterprise into Spaceball One, who then who then turns into Mega Maid. What they need to do is initiate VacuSuck on <laughs> all of these atmospheric particulates. Suck! 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 And then just sort of fling them back out into space. Yeah, and initiate they do. <laughs> and uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Genesis effect, where like yeah. they show the like the like effect of whatever they're doing kind of wash over the planet and then come back over the other side. And... Uh, they shoot everything off into space. Uh, they cut back to Jordy down on the surface. Jordy risks his life for this, by the way, because he's got to like punch in, punch in numbers till the last minute. And uh, they cut back down to Jordy on the surface. And... I'm breathing. Air. Air. There's like a lush, verdant landscape out the window. The Hoth-like atmosphere has vanished, and in its place is, is a perfectly healthy environment. Ben, do you think enough is made about the potential sacrifice that Jordy is making here? No, not at all. Me neither. It was... They totally gloss over the, that he's turned this into a suicide mission if he can't pull this off. Yeah. Well, a uh, very brave thing that Jordy did, and I guess, uh, I guess it paid off because the, the plan is successful. And Rasmussen is like, well, that was great. I really enjoyed watching you guys all do this. And uh, I'll be uh, heading off now. And so he, like, heads to his his stateroom that they set him up in and packs up his stuff, does one last check for bed bugs, and heads down to the all shuttle bed. chargers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks under the bed, makes sure that he hasn't dropped any $500 memory cards under there. Oh God! What? You really you want to avoid looking under a hotel bed, but if there's a chance you've dropped a memory card, you got to do it. Yeah, especially if it's the only copy of a shoot that it took you six months to set up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so 
So uh, he hits the shuttle bay, and the entire senior staff is assembled there, and he he interprets this as a very formal farewell. And uh, turns out not, Adam. <laughs> well, would you look at this? Who would have expected a teary farewell? They're there, I guess, to bear witness to his deception. Picard's like... Uh, so we noticed some of our shit's missing, and we'd like that back. <laughs> Fred, we're going to have to take a look inside your vessel. Yeah, so, like, they've been showing him kind of surreptitiously pocketing tricorders uh, a few times. It seemed to be like a bunch of tricorders that he pocketed, mainly. But his defense, his initial defense is like, I'm not here to steal your stuff. Like, I'm not a relic hunter. I'm not... Uh, That's not the kind of historian I am. I'm not Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Look at me. I have zero sexual appeal. I'm no Indiana Jones. Here's the thing. Why don't you let Data go inside the ship with me? You can just order Data not to tell you what he sees. Yeah. Uh, That isn't part of your stolen merchandise. Data's Uh, like, potential suicide mission? Sign me up. Yeah. So Data and Rasmussen pop on board the ship, which has a sort of handprint door lock sensor on it yeah so rasmussen puts his hand on the hull it opens up the door and as soon as they go inside the door shuts behind them. well it's not even and a door it's like a it's like a just a solid steel plate and then there's a door in it and then they step inside and the door disappears there's some there's some pretty high level tech at work here and they get on board and it's like it's a it's a little bit like boarding a uh, jet blue or a <laughs> Virgin America flight where they've got they've really gone nuts with the crazy lighting. Yeah, and it's clearly like a seven thirty seven, so the 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 uh, the luggage compartments are really low. You just sort of have to crouch around in there. Yeah, and sure enough, there's a tray full of of crapola. There's like a couple of tricorders. There's a a dirty visor on there. A couple of couple of odds and ends from around the ship and. It made me think, how many visors does Jordy have? Yeah. Well, I'll And s- if you only have one or two, wouldn't wouldn't you really be missing that one? That had to be the thing that, that tipped everyone off, right? Also, if you're stealing stuff, wouldn't you just need to steal the replicator pattern for it? Yeah. Yeah, why do you need the actual stuff? I don't get that. That's a dumb plan. It's really dumb. Well, anyways, one of the things he also has is a phaser, and he holds it up to Data and goes on a little monologue about what his real deal is. He is a man from the 22nd century who had the good fortune of being visited by a man from the 26th century. He killed that guy, took his place, and now he pops into the future from time to time. He gets objects takes him back to his time, puts him out about one a year, and is very rich. If the auto timer is programmed the way I think it is, in about two minutes, we should be on our way back to a place called New Jersey. Again, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's a terrible way to get rich. I don't understand this plan. We could time travel to any time. Yeah, why? And he chooses to remain in the past as a rich person, right? Like if he just took his ship to the twenty fourth century, turned it into to the uh, 
turned it into the scientist there and said, set me up as a citizen of the Federation, he would live in stupendous, unthinkable wealth. He, you know, like the whole point of the replicator and, and transporter technology is you can go wherever you want and you can have whatever you want whenever you want it. Like that's, that is an unthinkable amount of wealth for a guy who is trying to get rich. I think what we're saying here is that Rasmussen is a capitalist and he hates the, the communist utopia <laughs> that is the 24th century and he can't stand it. Yeah, he's a big fan of scarcity. What an asshole. What a fucking prick. Well, the uh So Data's like uh I'm not going with you. I'm not going anywhere. Right and after I, And I know and I know that that fucking hand sensor doesn't need you to be awake for it to work. So which is a super badass thing to say to him. Yeah. And uh and Rasmussen like attempts to phaser him, but the phaser doesn't doesn't click on and uh Data Data takes him out gives gives all the crap to uh to war for something and says yeah like when the door opened the ship's computer turned that phaser off so <laughs> that was a nice try and, and Rasmussen's like all right you guys got me but let me get back on board my ship it's about to it's about to zap out of here yeah and the urgency of the scene and out of him gets incredibly heightened yeah i thought this was this was the moment in the episode where i felt something <laughs> Something, anything? Yeah, something, anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's he's watching the the numbers countdown on his uh, on his finger watch, and then the ship disappears. Yeah, now he's fucked. Now he's gonna go live in uh, in prison instead of just as a stupendously rich Federation citizen. And uh, so weird, like. Like, even though this scene is, like, the best scene in the episode, it's also really weird. Because why didn't Data attempt to turn the timer off on the shuttle? Right. There are things worthy of studying on right. the ship, I'm sure. And it's not like, I mean, like, the, the you know, prime directive be damned. There's, like, worst case scenario, get it back to its rightful owners in the 26th century and have somebody that can travel to you that is way more advanced than you owing you a favor you know and why is everyone trying to maddox data all the time (laughs) this happens constantly and it's a strange tension because as much as data wants to die he definitely doesn't want to be deconstructed and killed that way he's very specific about his form of death yeah weird Weird app. Weird app. Did you like it, Adam? My memory of it was far better than the rewatch. I was, I, I had remembered it fondly, and as I was watching it this time around, I just found myself picking it all apart. <laughs> yeah. It ends satisfactorily, I would say. Like that, you're you're basically only playing for that last scene. Right. And in that way, it works. But, boy, it really asks a lot of you up until that point. Uh, This is the ninth episode of season five. And I'm going to say it's our first turkey, in my opinion. 
Yeah. And and that's pretty impressive. Like, like I don't think it's a good, a good episode, but I think it's good that we're, at this point in the show, able to make it nine episodes into a season before we take a shot and miss. If your plot is dependent on people we know to be smart being stupid, <laughs> then I think you're better off shelving the script and just running a clip show. Yeah. Get that... Get that uh clip show device out because you're undermining all of the work up until now all of the character building up until now has been about making these people competent and smart mm-hmm. and none of the decisions in this episode make any sense yeah i mean yeah <laughs> absolutely so by saying that i'm saying i also did not like the episode but it is not historically bad it is not on my mount armis no, yeah, I, I agree with that also. I mean, like, the performances are fun, generally speaking. Like, a little bit of a shame that that scene with the doctors in there and the only thing Troy gets to do is say, he's hiding something. Yeah. Hmm. Do you see a little flashing light on your keyboard, Ben? Uh, no, Adam, my keyboard doesn't have any lights built into it. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, that must be this mushroom tea I've been drinking. <laughs> Why don't you see if we have any priority one messages? Oh, I do that by checking my email inbox. Yes, and. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message comes from Tanying, and it is for Alex. It goes like this. Happy birthday to my husband, whose Star Trek joke made me first fall in love with you. When you said how Kirk always laments, I went to the academy with his father over the body of a red shirt. <laughs> That's all it takes to, to make someone fall in love with you? Great job, Alex. Alex must be uh, a real charmer. Yeah, continues, love always to my Kevin Uxbridge. <laughs> and then in parentheses, with the Mr. Softy jingle behind, you're a native New Yorker and I love hearing you say Mr. Softy. <laughs> oh, it sounds like Alex uh, does a Kevin Uxbridge impression also. I would like to hear the uh, the native New Yorker Kevin Uxbridge. Captain ah. Picard. <laughs> I was going up to the Bronx. With my real doll. <laughs> Check out the Yankees. <laughs> Fuck the Sox. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any New York things, even though I live here. God, that, those are two tastes that do not taste great together. Yeah, I, I kind of regret even trying it. Sorry, Tan Ying. <laughs> Alex, I'm sure you can do a better job. Uh, why don't you drop us a recording? Maybe we'll play it on the show. That would be fun. That's good enough. Uh, and we have a second Priority One message from Lauren from Massachusetts, and it is to Ben and Adam. I guess that must be us. Is Lauren going to ask us to do a Massachusetts Kevin Uxbridge accent now? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Ben and Adam, thank you for addressing the potted plant issue in regards to Troy and Beverly. It is such a shame that more wasn't done with their characters. Please continue with DS9 and Voyager, and for goodness sake... Order more women's medium shirts next time. You guys are the best. Oh. Are we sold out of women's medium? I don't know. I think that that uh, thing, 
those those t-shirts are evergreen so they replenish mm. the stocks when they run out so check oh, again good. soon if if uh if you go on the max fun store and don't see something that's gonna fit are there are there just as many potted plants on ds9 and voyager i wonder like is it gonna get any better i mean she's she's imploring us to continue yeah but she's also saying that she hates the potted plantedness of this show so I mean, the, the first officer character and the science officer on DS9 are women that have fairly fully realized character traits. Hmm. And, uh, of course, the captain on Voyager is a lady. I've heard that. Yeah. My, one of my favorites of, the, of all of the captains, Captain Janeway. Well, uh, maybe we'll eventually do that program. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Well, thanks for writing in, Lauren, and thank you for uh, throwing some scarves at us to uh, <laughs> send us a couple of comments. Uh, if you would like to throw a couple of scarves our way, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. There, you can fill out a form to obtain a personal message for 100 bucks or a commercial message for 200 bucks. It's a great way to support the show and reach out to all of our viewers everywhere there's much less effort to filling out that form than there was from Rasmussen's two hour questionnaire boy do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs I'm, uh, I'm running low so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. 
We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did. I think I'm going to give it to the writer of this episode, Rick Berman, who is, you know, a one of the bright lights in the firmament that is people who made Star Trek television a thing. This episode is like, it like forgets major parts of the premise of the series. It forgets to cover its tracks with all these crazy plot holes that are built into it. It is... It's a, uh, it's, you know, it like, it's like a pool hustler losing his shirt at the fucking local dive bar. It's crazy. I can't believe how, how, how weirdly off this one is. And, uh, so, <laughs> so for keeping the spirit of TNG alive to some, ex- which to some extent is based in its complete craziness, uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think Berman gets it from me. Adam, do you have a Shimoda that had a little bit too much to drink? Yeah, I did. And this uh it sort of squicks me out to even call attention to it. Um <laughs> but I think this I think it's sort of consistent with with things we call attention to. Mm. And that is the unintentional racism of some things that I don't think we have gotten in a couple of seasons. Mm. One of the things that... Uh, that's an optimistic appraisal, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, one of the things that Rasmussen does to just sort of aggravate everyone is sort of be a weird cheerleader about their situation. Like, he'll he'll find a random crew member. And, like, there, like there's a scene in Sick Bay that illustrates this. Like, this guy's on a Sick Bay couch... And his leg is just fucked up. And there's yeah. no story about how it happens. And he's like, buck up, crewman. Like, you're going to be back at him in no time. Like, just sort of being real cheesy about his cheerleading. Yeah. And the back end of this scene, he sees a a small Asian boy sitting up on the six bay uh, <laughs> bio bed. And he says, keep your eyes wide, soldier. 
Ooh, I did not. I did not notice that. What it, the fuck? <laughs> How did that? Like, I could see that being on the page without having an actor there. But what the fuck is that about? God. Not a good look. Thumbs down, Star Trek. So I think most of the time we keep our Shimodas uh, silly and weird. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Like, this this one, I had to use my Shimoda on something that had to have been called attention to before we got out of the show. Fair enough. That's a fun note to end on, right? Well, it's not quite the end of the show. <laughs> Does it get better next week, Ben? <laughs> I'm not sure. The next episode is Season 5, Episode 10, New Ground. Worf learns some painful lessons about parenting when his son Alexander arrives to join his father on The Entrepreneur. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Is this... This isn't uh, hot Waxana hot tub, right? Oh, no. Is it? I don't think so. No, I think this is the first one where Alexander comes back to stay for a while and then Waxana visits later, and that's when we get hot loaf time machine. Ooh, I really hope... Because this, like, that is... They're not being specific enough, are they? I don't want to tip my hand, Adam, but I just really don't want to (laughs) have had an opportunity to veto that and not. Well, it's up to you whether or not you want to take that risk, I guess. Oh. What if it's not that? What the fuck? These episode capsules don't tell you anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I wish I could help you, but I'm just choosing not to. (laughs) Uh, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta veto. Oh God, really? I that, just, that's just, uh, just prophylactically, Adam. As, as Denzel says in Crimson Tide, you're, you're, you're blind and deaf, <laughs> and you want to shoot your missiles right now. You can't do that. You can't do that. I don't even. I, I don't think we have time to try and float the buoy, man. I think that we have to assume that the other subs got taken out. Well, I uh, I am positive that Lippinzoner stallions were born black, <laughs> Ben, and I'm stopping you from the veto. No, Adam, this we was need, a this was a good need, war. We need two stage authentication. The Why would you get and the EXO must agree? You don't have both. I'm locking you in the brig. Why would you get on the other side of me on this one? Because oh. the Denzel side is the right side. Oh. The Denzel side is always the right side. Oh. You know oh. what's funny is that's is it's not even going to be the episode, I bet. I bet we just wasted them on nothing, and it's your fault. Because you didn't want to do the research. This is my fucking boat, Adam. See? See what I've done is I've I've taken you've handed me your fucking whistle and I've put it on around my neck. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I really like how in that movie they make all of the tension out of Denzel Washington standing there with a with like a stopwatch. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's the most exciting tension. stuff in the movie is him standing with a stopwatch waiting to tell somebody to do something. Yeah. It's exciting. Almost as exciting as what just happened to us. God fucking damn it. Yeah. I hope it's not the episode. People listening at home may have noticed that your audio quality just changed, Adam. Yeah. (laughs) 
don't distract the viewer from the truth of our moment just now. I'm just saying, don't call me a bonehead. Oh, jeez. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, all right. Well, we're watching it. That'll be the next episode. In the meantime, if you'd like to tell Adam what a dope he is for having the wrong mic set up on his laptop the last couple of episodes, you can uh, use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. He's at CutForTime. I'm at Benjamin R A H R. There's also Facebook and Reddit groups that you can take part in. Let's see, what can viewers complain to you about, Ben? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe wasting a veto unnecessarily? Why are Ben and Adam fighting again? That's another topic. (laughs) We should thank Adam Ragusea and Dark Materia for music. And we should tell you that we will be back next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. An episode of The Greatest Generation that... If it is floating tits deep in a mud bath, I will be very upset. Hmm. Lots to talk about, if so. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.